Well, happy Valentine's Day. We are so glad that you chose to spend part of your, uh, your day with us. And on a day we think a little bit about love and relationships, I thought I would go to some experts. And so I have uh, got some quotes from five-year-olds to nine-year-olds on their insight for you on this whole area of Valentine's love and relationships. And so Manuel, age eight, described it this way. He says, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something, but the rest of it isn't supposed to be so painful. Oh, Manuel, the arrow is the easiest part of the whole thing, brother. Wendy, age eight, when a person gets kissed for the first time, they fall down and they don't get up for at least an hour. <laughs> Tell you, that's a lot to live up to. Uh, Brian, age seven, it isn't always how you look. Look at me. I'm handsome like anything, and I haven't got anybody to marry me yet. <laughs> Spoken like a true Brian. I love it, all right? Uh, lovers, this is Brad, is age eight. Lovers will just be staring at each other over their food, and their food will get cold. Other people care more about food. <laughs> so if you're, uh, if you're eating, obviously then you're not loving one another. Uh, uh, what do moms and dads have in common, especially during this pandemic season? Lori, age eight, says, both don't want any more kids. <laughs> I think there's an amen on how that goes, right? So once a couple is together, how do you tell if a couple is married? Well, Eddie, age six, says, married people usually look happy to talk to other people. <laughs> okay, need some counseling. Uh, Derek, age eight, says this. You might have to guess based on whether they are, they, whether they are yelling at the same kids. <laughs> I mean, that's a kid growing up during pandemic times. They're yelling at the same kid. We're going to go ahead and say they're probably a couple as we go. So what good advice? Would you give to us about love and marriage? Well, Annette, age eight, says, dates are for having fun and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. <laughs> Ladies, am I telling you, Lynette has got this thing figured out at an early age. Ricky, age seven, tell your wife that she looks pretty even if she looks like a truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ricky, you're in for a long life, brother. Aaron, age eight. Uh, don't forget your wife's name. That will mess up love. That's a good word right there. And Eddie, age eight, be a good kisser. It might make your wife forget that you never take out the trash. <laughs> and finally, Floyd, age nine, love is foolish, but I still might try it sometime. Isn't that good stuff? Out of the mouths of babes come such profound things. But honestly, you know, as we think about relationships, uh, especially in the context of 2020 and even the start of 2021, boy, these have been trying times, have they not? It's been a difficult season in those. And what we found in this last season is in the midst of the stresses that we have faced, one or two things have happened, right? It has either pushed your relationship together or it has splintered it a little bit apart. For some, and we hear the testimonies, this has been an amazing season. It's been a really difficult one, but it's been a great season for your relationship. If nothing else, it has, it has just given you a, a restart, right? A, a reboot kind of got you out of the rut and the routines that you've been found in. And so all of a sudden now you find yourself connecting in ways that you never were before just because you're together more, right? You're home teaching your, your children, and as challenging as that has been, all of a sudden you're communicating and teamwork together like never before, or you're officing out of the house, and that proximity has made such a difference. 
And it's really been a hard, but it's been a really rewarding and good season for you. I just tell you, if that's where you are today, so encouraged by that. But identify what are the things that have strengthened your relationship and determine to carry those on when we get to whatever the new normal will be. But say, these are two or three things we really did well. We want to keep doing these. But research says and statistics say that for a vast majority of relationships and couples, uh, this pandemic season has been extremely difficult uh, and been hard on our relationships. You've never spent more time together and yet felt more disconnected, right? And the more disconnected that you feel, the more conflict that we experience with one another. And it's in those moments of conflict, in those moments of feeling disconnected and tension, that it becomes critical that we ask this next question in our series, Better Decisions and Fewer Regrets. So question number four to ask, especially in those moments, is simply this. The question is, what does my commitment require of me? Those moments when you're just feeling separate, what does my commitment require of me? Now listen, make no mistakes of it that your commitment does have a requirement that calls upon you. And it starts all the way back. Remember in high school, if some of you, my old school folks, you'll remember this. Remember the days of Letterman jackets? And you'd have your jacket and your best girl would wear your jacket. Remember those days? Awesome days. Anybody remember these kind of things? And the awesome was when that 5'8 cheerleader was dating the 6'6 basketball player and she wore his jacket. It looked like a dress. She was so heavy and she walked around. But it was the greatest time, all right? Some of you remember those amazing days. I encourage you. Maybe grab the Letterman jacket out of the closet during this Valentine's Day. I'll tell you, good stuff there. Now listen, for my Gen Z folks, listen, y'all are changing it up here. So for my Gen Zs, you know now you are, I love you, you're going back to the 90s and you brought back the scrunchies. So if you see a young man today wearing a scrunchie around his wrist, I'm just going to let you know, that's the scrunchie of his favorite little girl. It's a good thing. And if she's wearing a hoodie that needs to be washed... That's probably his hoodie, all right? So thank you for our Gen Z people keeping it real as we roll back. But the crazy part is the longer and the older we get, the more significant the level and the depths of this love relationship begins and the more important this question. What does commitment require of me? And for our married couples in the room and online today, let me tell you, that commitment requires pretty much everything you've got. And what I love about God is from the very beginning, he never undersold the importance and the requirements of a commitment to one another, especially in the context of a marital relationship. Go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And the Lord says this, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. He's not messing around. This is what it's great. One flesh. It's the giving of your total self to that person. Today, many of us, we, we wear a ring or some of you got a tattoo of a ring around your finger that's kind of that, that daily reminder of the commitment that you made, the daily reminder of what is required of you. When I think about my ring, I'm reminded what's required of this commitment is it's the willingness to forgive, right? It's the willingness to be patient, it's the requirement to lean in when everything in me wants to run away and go the opposite direction. 
So we want to talk a little bit about that today. And in order to do that, I brought in some professionals to help me with that. And so if you'll welcome with me today are some of our very own, uh, Wally and Beth Hollis, who are the co-founders of Life Bridge Counseling. Thank you guys for, for coming and, uh, and sharing a little bit of your heart and your lives and uh, really what God has really laid on you guys in terms of ministry, what you do together. Hey, before we jump into maybe the topics and have this conversation, uh, why don't you share just a little bit about your story and why this issue of marriage and healthy relationships is so, such a big passion for you. Well, Brian, thanks, and I thank you for the opportunity, but I'm not quite ready, so we'll just have to circle back to that. <laughs> oh, no, seriously. Um, I grew up in California, and... Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just had to do that. Um, when you think of the significant events in your life, the first significant one was when I was 10 when my father died. Um, but then the most important thing in my life happened the year after that, and that's when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Um, we went through the rest of, of life, and when I was 24, my mother passed away. So by 24, I was an orphan, still living in California. A little bit after that, we moved out to Colorado. And in the mid-'80s, I decided, well, I did decide God decided for me to go to the mission field. And, uh, and it was in the first year on the mission field that I met my, my first wife. And we did 18 years, had two daughters, uh, wonderful years traveling around the world doing work for the Lord with Transworld Radio. Um, and then we came back to the U.S. when our time of mission service was done, and less than a year later, she passed away suddenly. And uh, then six months after that, I lost my job. So death has been a significant part of, of what I've done. I went to counseling for grief therapy, um, and it was so significant in helping me to recover from that. And it went from, from that just into life counseling and just really helped me regain perspective of who I was as a single man, as a single dad. And a little bit into that, it's like, gosh, I wonder if I could be a counselor. And so I asked my counselor, and she said she thought it'd be great. So I went back to school and, uh, and became a counselor. And during the course of the time, I met this sexy, gorgeous, wonderful, smart, intelligent woman. And thank you, thank you. And, um, and, and so we, we started up our counseling practice, and part of the big emphasis was believing the church is only as strong as a good family, and a family is only as strong as a good marriage. And a lot of the marriages out there, we knew were not getting good guidance, good input, good advice, and we thought maybe, if the Lord is willing, he can use us in that to help guide marriages. So that's how it began. Story. Yeah, thanks. Beth, God's placed you in this seat, and it's been a little journey and a little different path. Why don't you share a little bit about just your story, what, what got you to here? Definitely a different path. Um, I grew up as a free-range child, and I like to think of wolverines were my parents and not traditional at all. And that led me to be a seeker, and I sought um, to be involved, to be fitting in, to not be abandoned, and to, I just really was desperate for love. And so in my late teens, while I had accepted Jesus as my savior for my eternity, Brian, I never accepted him for the author of my day. And so my days turned into fitting in through using premarital sex to feel loved, um, living with that person to feel accepted, ending up at an abortion clinic to be obedient, and our marital story, not to this man, to my first husband, ended in the shame that so often accompanies silence, 
the regret that ensured both of our loyalties, but it wasn't, it wasn't a marriage based on love and cherishing. It was a marriage based on resentment and that quiet secret that I held tight for 27 years. Thanks for sharing a little bit about that. You know, as we think about relationships, and we're talking about that idea of better decisions and, and fewer regrets, I think the hard part is there are very few things in our lives where decisions have lasting consequences and just hurt and things we work through. And, you know, even in times like now where the Lord has blessed you with an amazing marriage and an, he re, he's redeemed so much in all of our lives and brought you to this point, there's still all those things that linger with us. And so as we share those today, hope is for all of us that we can work towards just better decisions even in the area of, of our relationships. 2020, that's been hard. Uh, it has put certainly a, a strain, I, I think, on, on many relationships in different ways. And we see all the national statistics of an increase in divorce, increase in spousal abuse, increase in just um, alcoholism and all these kind of things. And so today I want to spend just a few moments to kind of really bear down on, on maybe locally what you guys are seeing, what you're experiencing. Um, my hope for all of us during this time is just to remind you that whether you're dating or you've been married 75 years, every relationship has a moment of struggle and disconnect and a time where it's hard. And the question really is, in that moment when you're empty, when you're emotionally feel like I've got nothing left in a tank, will you ask this fourth question? What does commitment require of me? And how do I respond on that? So I wanna just normalize it. If you feel like, hey, I'm in a relationship right now and this year, it's just, I feel like we're just off. You're, you're not alone. What are some of the things that you are seeing, maybe consistent themes in your practice? Because I know it's been an uptick during this pandemic uh, that we could just be aware of and pay attention to. Well, I think that I can start to a little bit with my own story from the standpoint of what I also end up seeing, and that is the lack of openness, the lack of communication, hiding things, and that leads to shame and secrecy. I've seen that with so many of my clients, so many of our clients, because uh, while we see couples, Beth sees individual women, I see individual men, and there's a lot of that. But as you would imagine through everything, the, the depression, um, the anxiety, suicidality, I've never seen so much of that. Uh, as, as we have in, the, in this, uh, this year of COVID. Um, just just a, a detachment, a disconnecting. Um, you know, you would think that when husbands and wives and families are all in their houses together during lockdowns and shutdowns and not being able to go, and now during ice storms, um, that you think, whoa, what a great opportunity. We can play games, we can do stuff, and we can get, and the detachment and the disconnect is just amazing. So this person goes in that room and this person goes in that room and you know, as Beth will chat a little bit about the technology that comes at play, um, you know, those things are just, they are, they are things that lead to so much detachment and isolation. I think that's it. So many people feeling isolated, feeling detached, and then what does that lead to? Online chats, what does that lead to? Illicit relationships. Never before have we seen so much spiritual battle in terms of couples that are ending up engaging with somebody else and destroying their marriage and the pressure's there, they're trying to find that belonging, and it should be right there in their home, but they're not connecting. Yeah, so. that's a good word. Beth, what does that, what's that kind of look like when that technology has really created some disconnect and interruptions? What are some things that you're seeing there? 
Well, first of all, I don't think that you have to even leave the room to be disconnected. I think people can sit side by side and not even talk. They're more interested in connecting with the idea of someone out there in cyberspace, giving them a like or a ha-ha or a love or a comment. I've been guilty of that. When Wally works long hours, I get into Facebook, and I'm really trying to break that habit right now. Um, there's also the disconnect if, if one partner is more involved in work or one partner is more involved with the chore list, the never-ending laundry. It's never done. Because even if you're at a nudist colony, you're still going to need towels. So it's never done. <laughs> and so, you know, deal with the chores. They're not going away. But your kids and your husband or your wife will, maybe. And so sometimes I also see a lot of people... Uh, one spouse that's more involved maybe especially with raising children has forgotten it took a parent, a set of parents to get those children here. Not that children are not important. School, school work for COVID has taken over the world and every parent probably is realizing for at least me, if I was doing it, my education level stops at about the fifth grade math. Yeah. And so there's a lot of disconnect and marital drift that's happening that we see in our practice. Yeah, just the busyness of, of what's required. And I just wanted to add the thought that when it has to do, especially with social media, guys, you have to ask, I'll ask you as a question, what's more important to you? Getting likes on the comments you make or liking your spouse? And I dare say today, more people are more interested in getting their likes and that nice dopamine hit that they get from, ooh, somebody liked my thing, than they do from spending the time with their spouse. So. Yeah. I think you mentioned, too, I think one of the, the great challenges, we're just being real honest, even with the world of social access there is we've got an increased uptick in pornography, filling the void and loneliness there. Has that been true, what you're seeing even locally? Uh, this, especially over the last 16 months or so, compared to the previous 14 years that we were counseling, I, I would say that probably four out of every five guys that I see are struggling with pornography. Mm -hmm. It has become, with our, our little mini computers that we hold in our hands, you know, those things that double as occasionally a phone, um, the access to the information, uh, the access to the images, to those sites, it's just, it is, you talk about the COVID pandemic, pornography is a pandemic that is destroying lives. And a lot of times it is an addiction that is turning out to be really, really hard to break. Yeah. And I, I have never dealt with so many people in my life yeah. as I am now. I think just an encouragement, too, if you found yourself even into some of those bad patterns and habits and, and you're like, man, I, I've got to get some help on this, let me encourage you. Uh, you do. It's hard to break this on your own. We've got support groups here on Thursday nights that men and women, because it's not just a, a male issue, uh, and uh, both ways that we can support you on that, but I think that's really been one of the things that we're seeing more and more on there. And think about just the, the tension that comes in any relationship, just based on how God made us and wired us. I go back to our color series we did about a year ago, you know? If you are a green and you enjoy some space and you're married to a yellow who now interprets that space as rejection and they wanna spend more time, there's marital conflict there. Some of you are blues, bless your heart, and you're trying to keep the house in order, keep the kids educated and everything together, and it's chaos every day, and it just drives you nuts. You know, our reds, just in their temperaments, uh, they'd like to solve everything, and they wish the governor would just call them, they could solve this in two weeks, and we'd be off and going wherever we are. And I encourage you, if you weren't a part of that series we did, I said this, you heard that, uh, we did it last February, go back and watch those, because I think the colors just give some insight that's there. Absolutely. I was thinking about things that I hear from couples. It's the constant interruption, right? Especially for our reds, if you were a doer, 
You can't get anything done without somebody. It's work, somebody's coming in the office. There's these things that need, the kids need help. And all of a sudden, if you're a task person, you feel like you're failing on every single level, right? I'm not as efficient at work as I needed to be. I'm not doing a good job at home the way, and it's this constant feeling of not being able to meet up that I think that's there. You got kids who are bored and bickering. At some point, you're ready to just put them in the room and just fight it out, and whichever one comes out, you know, that's where we are. But it just, it's the, all these things that just emotionally and physically and spiritually just kind of drain you, I, I think, as you, as you see that. Talk to me a little bit about uh, grief. Uh, this has been a season of loss. What is that looking like in, in your practice with folks that come in? I'm so glad that you bring that up because that's a, a very understated thing that people face. We often think of, usually think of grief, grief as, I lost a friend, I lost a partner, I lost a parent, they died. Grief can be the loss of a dream. Grief can be the loss of plans. Um, you know, you talk about high school seniors, college seniors, somebody who thought, I can't play my sport this year. This was supposed to be my big year. They're going to grieve over that. And I've probably also seen more teenagers this year than I ever have before because they're dealing with that. So many loss of dreams. Somebody getting married. Oh, we can't have the big party. We can't have family there. They can't come. And so they grieve over that. That leads to then that depression, anxiety. What do we do? Do we get married at the justice of the peace and then we'll have a big party whenever we can travel about? It, it just things that weigh on people and the anxiety of the decision. So yeah, a lot of grief over the yeah. losses that they've had. That's good insight. I think for us as parents too, it's a reminder, I think you said it so well, it's our kids that are grieving too. Mm-hmm. There's a loss of what they thought this season would be like. So just an, an understanding of that. So lots hitting us. Give us some encouragement though. Uh, what are some things that we can do? You know, And as we look at our relationships and our marriage that we desire to have Christ-centered, we want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident. What are just some practical ways that we can kind of turn the struggle into, into a victory, part of our story? I'll let him talk about the five-minute connecting because he kind of invented it. But I would like to say that we adjusted for our own expectations. We took a look at what we expected of this year, and it wasn't anything like what we expected, so we had to talk about that. And we also simplified our lives, and we sought and we are seeking still more balance in our lives. And it, it was a really beneficial thing for us to go through because our lives shifted just like everybody else's. And it was good. I didn't think it would be, but it was really, really good. Um, we also are involved right now in a Bible study about cherishing. We all make that vow to love and cherish, and we all know what love is. We talk about that, 1 Corinthians 13, all the time, but we forget cherish. Cherish is outlined in the Song of Songs, and we forget to take joy in each other. You know, um, yeah, and it, it's... There's hope there. There's also hope if you are lonely and you can talk to someone. And I think just a lot of times knowing you're not walking this road alone, because you're not, <laughs> you're not walking it alone at all, really can help us just feel like, okay, there's yeah. out there some help or there's within us to readjust. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you, you bring two great points. It is that loneliness. I think even for our singles, this is a difficult season. Today is obviously a difficult day even on a Valentine's Day, but that feeling of feeling all alone that, that comes there. But I love what you said about expectations because I think especially during this season, I always say, you know, unexpressed expectations lead to unmet expectations. 
So what is it that you're expecting? And then the key is, especially if you are a doer, my encouragement is, is to reduce your expectations of everybody a little bit. You know, right now, know that everybody, your spouse is highly stressed. Your kids are going through a lot. And if we keep pushing at this high of expectations of everybody, it's just gonna create for that disappointment and tension. So just reduce it a little bit. Focus on the things that are truly important that's there. Well, what's another, maybe just a practical way that we can continue to connect and grow? Sure. I think what's really important at this time is, is uh, not just now, but all the time, is that we're so busy. We hear that so much. We're just so busy. We've got this event, this event, this event. Believe it or not, still with COVID, a lot of events going on, uh, commitments that are being made. And so for a lot of people, those who uh, believe in the Lord, they squeeze out that time with the Lord. They squeeze out that time in devotions. They squeeze out that time in prayer. And it's like, well, I just don't have time for that. Well, we sort of came up with a thing we just call five-minute connecting because, you know, if you don't have five minutes, you are way too busy, you know, so you got to reevaluate your life there. But take five minutes. It might be at the end of the day. It might be at the beginning of the day. And now at COVID with so many at home, it might be in the middle of the day. But the five-minute connecting is made out of this. Find a good devotional that you like, something that especially has a, a good Christian uh, message in it, and take that minute and a half, two minute, read that together. You know, if one or the other of you is more adept at reading or enjoys reading out loud more, read it. And then in that middle minute that you have, if you want to, you can share what that reading meant to you. Do not ask your partner, well, what did that mean to you? Because that can seem like a nice little attack and investigation. This is about you offering for you. So offer what that meant to you. Uh, and then go into a couple minutes of prayer. A lot of times, why do we not pray? Well, we've got to pray for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or it doesn't count. That's not true. Take a couple minutes. Hold hands. This is another important part of this five-minute connecting. Hold hands so that you have that physical connection. Pray. If you're uncomfortable praying out loud, just pray silently and say at the end of two minutes, one of you say it in Jesus' name, amen. But you're connecting spiritually, you're connecting physically, you're connecting emotionally, you're connecting intellectually, mentally, on so many levels in five minutes. And as I said earlier, if you don't have five minutes, you are way too busy. But this is one way to have a significant practical connection in the midst of, it, of any time schedule. Yeah, that's a great word. And I just encourage you, I think even for us as men, sometimes you feel this pressure. I've got to be the spiritual leader. So it, it, it seems daunting what all that means. And I don't want to fail at this too. So I just do nothing. This is an easy way. Find your devotional, kind of read through there. Uh, you said a powerful thing, just even holding hands. I read this in books. I don't know if it really exists, but non-sexual touch. Uh, I think it's supposed to be good. Um, but it is just that holding hands just communicates again together. We're in this together, right? We can do this. Uh, we can overcome, and uh, so five minutes is a great way to do that. If I could go just a little bit yeah. further on that one about the non-sexual touch, because you're right. You know, we, we, we talk about that. We're also sex therapists. It exists. It does exist, yeah. You know, we're sex therapists, so you think that that's all we're interested in. But people don't hug. You don't hold hands. You don't stick your back, uh, your hand on the back of your spouse as you guide them through a door. Um, you know, just such simple things that are so important to keep that connection alive. And if one I can address in this regard, and I hope the audience doesn't mind this, is the, is it too late, I'm going to say it anyways, um, is the aspect that, that, guys, you can touch your wives without it having to be foreplay. You can touch your wives without it having to be, well, this is what I want. How about touch them just because you love them and let them know and they don't have to have the expectation, oh, he just wants to go to bed, Right? 
We, we well, can do so much with, with non-sexual yeah. touch. Just and we can do a lot with non-verbal communication. One of the biggest things I hear from the husbands when we couple counsel together is they miss their wives smiling at them. Apparently, we've all just, now masks, I get it, but if you're wearing your mask at home and not still smiling, well, maybe draw a smile face on your mask or something, but um, they're not smiling, and yeah. boy, affection. Yeah. We, we can have yeah. affection, and yeah. we've lost a lot of that, I think. We have, because it's an outpouring of what's happening in the heart, and so I think so much an encouragement for you is, is too, is just to be attentive to your emotions during this time. This has been a long ride, right? If it was three or four months, we could have just said, like, just power through. I know you're feeling discouraged. I know you're feeling, just power through. We're over a year now. This has been hard. So pay attention to those emotions. Be able to verbalize, this is what I'm feeling, because that creates the empathy. And I think a lot of us, I mean, I know for me, it's been a season of, you know, some of it's been anger, extreme disappointment, discouragement for what we're experiencing. That leads into some feelings of depression and just loss. And so I think just being able to articulate that to your spouse creates empathy one for another. Last thing I just encourage you, because these are big issues and there's no easy answers for them. And if you feel stuck and in a rut, just to, to find some help. You know, find another couple to share or find a, a counselor that, that really that you trust and is God honoring in what they do. I know for Tammy and I in our 30 years of marriage, there have been seasons, counseling has just helped. It's just kind of got us back connected in ways that we need to do and think about things different. So just don't be hesitant to ask for help, reach out. Uh, this is the time to do that. Well, Hollis says, thank you so much for can I, giving us your one time. Last, one last thought? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's the second service, so you don't have to worry about time this time. Um, now, is, is that good relationships, strong marriages, guys, they don't just happen. You have to work at it. You can't take your partner for granted. So I just wanted to say that intentionality, that there, that mindfulness, be aware, think of your spouse before you think of yourself. And as Beth brought up the subject earlier, cherish one another. Don't forget the fun. We date and we have a great time of fun and then we get married and the fun quotient drops off. Have fun, even in the midst of, of the shutdowns and things. You don't have to always go out, but we don't have the money. I don't care. You know, one thing at the last service I said, so put a blanket on the ground and, you know, in, in your living room. And uh, I won't go into the next part of it. Have pizza. And, um, you know, and just celebrate that time together, but mostly cherish your partner. Uh, she gets, I think, maybe a little tired of it, but I tell people this is the sexiest, most beautiful, smartest, wisest, incredible woman that, uh, the, that the Lord has ever produced, and um, I am so honored to be her husband, but I cherish her so much, and I know how much she cherishes me. That keeps us tight in our relationship. We don't take it for granted. That's the word. Don't take it for granted. Cherish your spouse. Great word. Well, thank you guys for giving me your time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. The Hollis is after service. They'll be down with our prayer team down front, and then they can just love to pray with you or, or help in any way they can. As a closeout, I asked Tammy just here at the end of the week, I said, well, babe, do you have any word that I could give just for encouragement for, for our folks as we kind of think over this topic? And she threw a little gem there that I spent all week and came up with nothing great, and she does it in about 30 seconds. And it was simply this, right? Don't get stuck in a rut. Know that everything is for a season. And you know, the longer I'm getting married, I, there's such value in that. Everything is for a season. And too many times we feel like the season we're in right now will be the season forever and it will never change. And I just want to encourage you, it's only for a season. 
toughest season in our marriage was when our kids were young because it was all consuming. And I was like, what happened to the fun, spontaneous? We were great fun and now we're just, it's every day this, right? And you feel like that's never gonna change. And listen, it was, it was the most rewarding time, but it was hard and it was only for a season and then the next season comes. So don't get stuck in a rut. Be confident in that. On those moments when you feel like pulling away, be reminded that's your commitment, right? Question number four, what does my commitment require of me? It requires that I lean into it. It requires that I'm more empathetic and that I give a little bit more grace. It requires that I'm willing to forgive and it requires that I'm willing to say I'm not going anywhere. We're in this thing together. I love the way that somebody said it. The art of love is God working through you. So lean into him and he will help you lean in to one another. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the beauty and the joy of relationships. Thank you for what they do to grow us, what they do to reveal into us the places that we fall short in our need of your grace and the fruit of the spirit to be evident. So God, today, I just pray for, I pray for our church family. I pray for some couples who are just in a difficult season. May today, may you just give them hope. May you just give them energy and strength and a willingness to just press in. And God, may your spirit renew the passion that was once there. So Lord, help each of us to just be reminded that that commitment we make requires a selflessness from us. So God, where we fall short, may you be strong and may you use us. And today, just give us a joy of being together. And we thank you for that. In your name we pray, amen.